All right, I'm just going to do an intro and then we'll get into it. I'm not going to make you sit here and listen to me talk. Welcome to Checking Out the Competition, Minnesota Wild. We are joined by friend of the pod, Thomas Williams, who is site manager for Hockey Wilderness and also contributor to Broad Street Hockey. So he knows both of these dumb teams. Thomas, how are you doing? Good, good, good. How are you? I'm honored to be a friend, honestly. Yeah, friend of the pod. Thomas is actually walking through downtown Toronto recording this podcast, which for some reason makes me very happy. I know, so- you could have the aesthetics of uh, all this construction. I'm coming up on a tractor. Love that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right, so this is the first meeting between the Flyers and the Wild um, all season. I guess, like, high level, what's been going on with the Wild this season? So, I feel like it'd be, they kind of enter the season without any expectations. Like, if they were to completely bottom out, I wouldn't be surprised. But then if they were to suddenly be one of the best teams in the league, I wouldn't be surprised either. It's very, like, in the middle, whatever happens. And luckily, they kind of started to go towards the ladder. It would be... They were kind of consistently a top five team in the league a little bit and then dropped off recently, but they've kind of been just hovering around. And they've had some breaks, some COVID breaks, some injuries, some usual kind of hurdles that they have to jump through for the season. But overall, it's a very, very good season, uh, I would say, because basically they are kind of right in the middle where they want to be. You want to be a good team, but they also have one of the best prospect pools in the league. So you're kind of having a win-win situation right now. Um, but yeah, so overall, overall history, like past 40 or so games or whatever, it's it's been good. Lately, it's not been so good, and I guess we'll touch into that. But overall, I would try to be positive about it. Yeah, yeah, we'll get into, uh, I guess, the past week or so for the wild in a little bit. But um, one of the things that I find interesting about the wild, so I always, whenever I think about the wild heading into any season, I'm always just like, oh yeah, they're a team. I'm sure they'll be fine. I never really expect them to do anything, you know, interesting. But then it, it kind of seems like um, Kaprizov, am I saying that right? Kaprizov? Kaprizov. Kaprizov. Uh, you, can say, you can say whatever you want. You know what's funny? It's like Char- like Charlie literally told me on the last Broadstreet Hockey Radio that when you pronounce Russian names, you put the emphasis on the middle syllable, and my brain just refuses to do it. So, <laughs> Kaprizov. Um, it kind of felt like once he kind of joined the team and became a thing, like that's kind of what kickstarted the wild success. Is it all him? Or is it just a coincidence that his appearance on the roster kind of coincides with the Wilds' trajectory up? I think there's multiple factors. Like, I think last year was basically all him because he was playing on a line. He eventually got with Matt Zuccarello, who's good. He's kind of had a rejuvenated kind of renaissance season. But his center was Victor Rask, who has already been on waivers twice this season and is now in Iowa uh, right now for the last past, past couple of weeks. So... Basically, an AHL-level center as your number one center for all of last season. But this year, I feel like it's more so just he's your top-line guy. But the trickle-down effect has kind of taken place with Kevin Fiala also happening on the left side. 
And then you have Matt Boldy, who's having a crazy rookie year after getting kind of recovering from an injury that he sustained in training camp and kind of working his way back. And now he's suddenly honestly one of the best rookies I've ever seen. Just he's incredible. He's already he's almost a point per game. I think I want to say he's I don't know his exact point total off my head again. I'm in the middle of Avenue Road in Toronto. Um, <laughs> but I want to say it's like 13, 14 games or something like that. Um, and yeah, and like so he again, like he's been kind of supplemented Caprizov's kind of just statements being there at the top. But there's also multiple kind of the depth has shored up this season, I would say. So you mentioned that lately things have gotten a little rocky for the Wild. So over the past week, they lost to Ottawa, which is always surprising when anyone lost <laughs> yeah. to Ottawa. Um, four to three, a three to one loss to the Leafs and a seven to three loss to Calgary. So Canada obviously being very kind <laughs> to to the Wild right now. Um What's going on? Like, what's up with this? I, I, games? I don't want to blame it on goaltending, but it is pretty much been goaltending. It's just been non-consistent. Like, the end of the season with Talbot as basically the starter and Kapokakunin as, like, a good backup that could potentially raise a little bit more and get a little bit better. He's only 25. So you're kind of on that, like, B scenario. If, you're, if you suddenly, like, break out, you could get the starter job and I feel like that's what they wanted because now they basically throughout all of February they split the games exactly in half so they're kind of having like a crisis a little bit like juggling a tandem that I don't know if Talbot's injured or because because kind of battled injuries throughout the season or if they're just really trying to establish Kakanen with some more consistency and get him in games more often but they haven't really been playing that well. I think Talbot has like something like an 880 save percentage in the last, I think, in all of 2022. So it's not good at all. And then, uh, and then you just factor in some absences from defense. Like Matt Dumb has been out with an injury. Jordan Greenway, um, a winger, has been out previously. He's kind of recently come back. But I feel like it's just been teams maybe figuring out how to kill off Kaprizov because with their top line right now so it's Hart, it's Ryan Hartman, former Flyers legend, Ryan Hartman as at center not to grill on the right, Kaprizov at the left but I feel like kind of teams have figured that out figured out how to get them away from that really hard forechecking style because Hartman basically doesn't have any offense. He started the season red hot he had like 20, he was shooting 20% he I think had like 13 goals through the first 50, like 18 games, I want to say. Something crazy like that. I think he would have uh, led the Flyers in goal scoring for a while. Um, but I think it's just been... I don't know if it's just like tiresome or just teams figuring it out, but it's just been this like dredge of a, of a month for them. It's just been... It's, it's just not looked good. And, and the one thing that I kind of lean back on is that I think as of the loss to Calgary, the Wilds have a losing record against playoff teams. So I don't know if, if they're such like a paper tiger team where they really have just like beat up on teams below them, but then they face any stiff competition. Like the Blues, the Blues play against them really well. They, the Wild just cannot hand, hang with the Blues. The Avs, they're kind of even for some reason. 
Um, teams like Vegas. It's just like something about the Wild. They just can't punch above their weight, but they can really punch down on a team and kind of build up that goal differential. So I don't know if they are necessarily in the category of frauds, but they also, like, I don't know what to make after this season because I was feeling so confident about them. And then I kind of was wondering that. I was like, what is their, what, what's their record against playoff teams, honestly? Because it seems like every time that they face a good team, it's either a really hard win, like, even the, or just, like, a disastrous loss. So, um, yeah, so I don't, I don't really know what to make of them, honestly, anymore. And, like, they're three weeks away from the trade deadline, so now it's just, like, a big, uh, a big question mark. Yeah, I mean, the Ryan Hartman thing is is funny, just, you know, as Flyers fans, because people were losing their minds over the amount that he was scoring earlier in the season, um, because obviously the Flyers got rid of him for nothing because he's Ryan Hartman. I kind of feel like, despite how good he, just the idea of Ryan Hartman as your your first center heading into the playoffs just seems like a bad idea to me. Like, do you? Yeah. Have you, like, do you think that he should, like, is he a first center? Like, it doesn't, doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I can't imagine that his entire game has turned around so much such that he's, like, no longer, like, an okay bottom sixer. And now he's, like, a legit first-line center in the NHL. It makes no sense to me. Yeah. I, yeah. Or the, the first half of the season, it was a very, it was a lot about like clearing the ice, kind of making space for Caprizo and Zuccarello because they're basically elite playmakers in the NHL. Um, two of the best at it. But now it's kind of just like the ice has gotten smaller, I feel like. So it's it's tough. It's tough to really see with them. And I feel like maybe Minnesota was going with the whole, the Vegas route, having Chandler Stevenson as the top line center, but in between Mark Stone and Matt Pacioretty. Like that kind of like, have someone just to balance out the lines. Maybe you you improve your scoring depth. And they've kind of done that. And it's interesting because Dean Evison, uh, the coach of the Wilds, he put Joel Erickson X, who's easily their best center, one of the best two-way centers in the whole NHL, really, um, in between Caprizo and Zuccarello. And it lasted about, I think, 15 minutes of the game. And that was after the loss to the Leafs. So... I don't know what they want. But they really, really gave huh. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's a lot. It's, they gave a lot of leash. Um, and then and then they reverted back to Hartman up there, and then Erickson back on his kind of um, honestly elite, but so, like checking line with Marcus Foligno and Jordan Greenway. Um, but yeah, it, I feel like there's not a lot of patience with there, and they and Everson really likes his chemistry with his guys. So having even players, even on that scoring line with Fiala and Boldy, they have Frederick Goudreau, who was the fourth line Penguins like center last year. So like, they it's just this balance of it that I guess Everson really likes having your center as kind of this responsible two way, always your third man in the zone, but can also like then go straight up to the four check and kind of be behind the net there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but it's tricky because the whole balance of it, I guess, is. It's tough to see, and on paper, it looks it looks very strange. Yeah, it looks completely bonkers to me. Um, you mentioned the goaltending situation, and I read an article on your website about it this afternoon, like half an hour ago, um, <laughs> about the fact that they are kind of just like, it seems arbitrarily rotating 
Talbot and Kakanen in and out. Um, and you kind of suggested that maybe that's the problem, particularly with Talbot, um, that not getting kind of an extended length of time in games is kind of messing with them mentally. Um, do you think that that's, that's what's going on? Or is there any chance that they're going to just give one of these guys the net for the rest of the season heading into the playoffs and just see what happens? Or are they really going to keep it up with this 1A, 1B rotating thing that they're doing? I think they're going to keep it up, but then it'll be really, really tough playoff, come playoff time. Like, I think, oh, I'm trying to remember if it was, I think it was, I keep on going back to Vegas, but um, it was the Leonard Fleury kind of thing. Um, yeah. Kind of going back and forth, and it wasn't sure, and Fleury was playing like shit, so then they kind of, and then Leonard stepped up during the season, but then they still kept with Fleury. I think Leonard maybe started game one and kind of the night there. But, I don't know if they're creating that kind of controversy for themselves or if they're truly trying to just balance up the game. There could be other factors, like I mentioned earlier, injuries, like Talbot might just be having something nagging and doesn't want to have that. But then also in that in that article on HockeyWilders.com, uh, there's a quote from Talbot and just saying he's basically pissed off. Like, he's he's just frustrated. This is stupid. Like, I just want to mm-hmm. have the net. Um, I'm, like... I think under under that you could say I'm the veteran. Like this guy has basically started maybe 40 games before this. Like so far in his career, like why am I not just having the net? I feel fine, and that's that's fine and dandy. But then he's just been kind of looking like shit at the same time. Um, and, and it's just tough to see. It's tough to figure out, and it's tough to kind of I guess decide like what exactly what they're doing and. I hope that they figure that out, even if it, it involves getting another piece of the trade deadline, which I don't think is realistic. But I know a bunch of Wild fans want Mark Andre Fleury in Minnesota just to have something, some security, and you kind of can't go away from that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I honestly don't know what they're going to do. But I feel like my gut instinct is that they're just going to keep on rotating and see what happens. Yeah, I'm not surprised about Talbot being pissy because. Like, if you remember, the whole reason he left the Flyers is because he wanted to be a starting goaltender. Like, he's not right. interested in being a backup or, a, I guess, a, a 1A or a 1B. Yeah, Which, it's, it's understandable. He's like 30, he's 33 years old. Yeah. Like he, yeah. he, he has his contract. He kind of, I don't know, he, and he, probably, he probably sees himself as like, this is really where he'll make his money because he only has one year... Like next season, he'll he'll be a pending UFA in summer uh, 2023. He'll be a free agent, um, and yeah, so like he probably imagines that he'll get another contract after that. And Minnesota is his real big like first starting job in a while. Like even in Calgary before this, mm-hmm. he was kind of sharing the net a little bit. I think it was Riddich was the other part of the tandem, um, and yeah, it was like a very kind of not secure situation. In Minnesota, it was basically like. Anyone is better than Devin Dubnik. So just like sign <laughs> literally any goaltender. Um, and yeah, so it's his first like big starting role. So maybe if he established himself, he could get a payday at the end of this contract. So if, if I were him, I would probably be pissed a little bit too. But I, I'm not a goaltender so and not a hockey player. So I don't know what he's thinking. Okay, so to get into this game a little bit. Um, if the Flyers are going to win this game, what would you say is the weakest part of the wild game that they can exploit? I would say 
it's already been if I could target one player. Uh, it'll be it'll be tough to see if it'll be Jordy Ben or Kalen Addison as the sixth defenseman. But Ben has been just a kind of train wreck, and I would say anyone beyond the top pairing, um, basically anyone beyond Jarius Virgin or Jonas Fordeen, um, on the blue line have been kind of mediocre the last few months. So I feel like imagining trying to see Farabee um, kind of coming down the wing and Jordy Ben probably like the slowest skater in the whole league. Um, <laughs> just trying to get across him. I Yeah, I can imagine that's one thing that Kelly's uh, probably looking out for. Okay. Um, and outside of kind of the big names that we are all pretty familiar with, um, who is somebody that might be a bit under the radar that we should keep an eye on in this game? Um, I'd probably say Connor Dewar. He so he's he's another rookie and kind of as a depth scorer, and um, but he skates like the wind. Like he is incredible. He is very small. The small, fast will like kind of have a fuck you mentality um, with things and just is not afraid of literally anything. He will kind of run people over, but he's like a foot shorter than them. Um, so he's just fun to watch. He, he's just like, he, it's just a great story kind of thing. Like he was a kind of MVP in the Western Hockey League, um, played really well with Everett and yeah, and slowly made his way up through the AHL and finally got a shot. And then everyone loves him. The coaches love him. And uh, yeah, and he's been kind of killing it on the fourth line with uh I think Duhame's off that line, so it'll be someone like Nico Sturm. Uh, and I don't know who will be on there for I think someone got injured. But yeah, so Connor Dewar is probably someone to look out for. Okay, and uh, given what you know about the Flyers, which is probably more than you want to, um, <laughs> what would you say they can do to shut down a player like Kaprizov? Like, are they even going to be able to contain him? Um, <laughs> it, it's tough. Can say no <laughs> because in my head the answer is nothing. They can't do anything. I mean, they just have to hope yeah. the best. <laughs> the only reason I could see is that, and kind of what Calgary did, honestly, and Calgary and Leafs kind of did against Breezon was kind of double team them and then get really close to him. So if they can manage to not take penalties but also keep that real tight gap, I could see them kind of suffocate a little bit of his offense. But if you give him even a foot more like space out there then he'll kind of make you pay for it so uh and the, and the best thing is that you have Matt Zuccarello and Ryan Hartman and probably Jared Spurgeon and Alex Galgonski on out there with them who can make enough space for themselves so uh so they're kind of in a lose-lose situation I guess if they really want to kind of suffocate result but uh yeah I don't I don't envision them uh having an easy time yeah, me neither. Um, the last is for a final score prediction for this game. What do you think it's going to end? Um, it's tough to see the offense, the Wilds offense kind of struggle lately and then not have try to have a comeback game uh, against the Flyers. So I might say I've been like 6-2 uh, for the mini. Boy, okay. <laughs> I have to it, say, it, it is like, it, you, you, don't, you, you don't understand how many people I've talked to on these pregames who say exactly that. 
this game is a great opportunity for our team to turn things around because the Flyers are now that hockey team, which is great. I was going to say four to two. I guess I'm not that. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Six two though seems extremely plausible to me. Okay. I'll, maybe I'll maybe I'll be generous and say six four with the Faraby hat trick just to make everyone feel better. There you go. That sounds fun. <laughs> Thomas, um, thank you for doing this. Do you want to tell people where they can find you? Uh, yeah. Um, so readhockeywilderness.com. Uh, follow me at no salary retained. No e. Um, the last letter, the last word. Um, yeah. There's nothing much, nothing outside the party, really. And listen to Big Shiny Goons on oh, all yeah. platforms. It'll, it'll return eventually. I'm kind of taking a, a laissez-faire approach um, to that podcast. But yeah, it's been fun. Kelly's been a guest, so it's uh, a good time. Yeah, exactly. You know it's good when someone has me on. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Thomas. Thank you so much. Everyone listening, I hope you enjoy the game. I hope the Flyers give us a show at least. Go Flyers.